The reading is from Genesis chapter 49, starting at verse 29 through to the end of chapter 50, the death of Jacob. Then he gave them these instructions. I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite, the cave in the field of Mechpelah near Mamre in Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite. There Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave in it were bought from the Hittites. When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph directed the physicians in his service to embalm his father Israel. So the physicians embalmed him, taking a full forty days, for that was the time required for embalming. And the Egyptians mourned for him seventy days. When the days of mourning had passed, Joseph said to Pharaoh's court, If I have found favour in your eyes, speak to Pharaoh for me. Tell him, My father made me swear an oath and said, I am about to die. Bury me in the tomb I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me go up and bury my father, and then I will return. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear to do. So Joseph went up to bury his father. All Pharaoh's officials accompanied him, the dignitaries of his court and all the dignitaries of Egypt, besides all the members of Joseph's household and his brothers and those belonging to his father's household. Only their children and their flocks and herds were left in Goshen. Chariots and horsemen also went up with him. It was a very large company. When they reached the threshing floor at Hadad, near the Jordan, they lamented loudly and bitterly, and there Joseph observed a seven-day period of mourning for his father. When the Canaanites who lived there saw the mourning in the threshing floor at Hadad, they said, The Egyptians are holding a solemn ceremony of mourning, that is why that place near the Jordan is called Abel Mizraim. So Jacob's sons did as he had commanded them. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which Abraham had bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite. After burying his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, together with his brothers and all the others that had gone with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left us these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers their sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God, of your father, when their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. 
He lived a hundred and ten years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Nochah, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110 and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. I hope you've enjoyed this series in the life of Joseph. It's been an amazing story and surprisingly made into the story of the musical Joseph. You couldn't make it up. Joseph goes from being the favourite child of the family, having dreams of his family bowing down to him, thoroughly annoying his brothers. Joseph is sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt. His father believes he's been killed by wild animals. Joseph becomes chief steward of Potiphar's household. Then he's put in prison for 12 years for the false accusation of attempted rape on Potiphar's wife. Joseph interprets the dreams of his fellow prisoners, Pharaoh's baker and butler. Eventually, this leads to Joseph interpreting Pharaoh's dreams of the seven years of plenty leading to seven years of famine. And Joseph is catapulted into power. He becomes viceroy, prime minister, second in the kingdom only to Pharaoh. Joseph is in charge of food distribution in the famine. And 22 years after they sold him into slavery, Joseph's brothers turn up in Egypt to buy food from Joseph. Joseph recognises them, but they don't recognise Joseph. Joseph then tests his brothers to see if they've changed. To see if they will dispose of Benjamin, his only full, full brother, as they had treated Joseph, as being expendable or whether they will now protect Benjamin and protect their father, whereas previously they lied to their father about Joseph being killed. The brothers pass the test. They have changed. They have repented. Joseph and his brothers are reconciled. Jacob and all his household are brought to live in Egypt, where God prospers them. But now... Jacob dies. How will Joseph now treat his brothers? Has he only been kind to them out of deference to their father? Into this situation Joseph speaks a word of comfort, a word of reassurance. Two headings tonight. Be assured in life and be assured in death. And this is what God says to us. We can be assured that we are forgiven and loved by God. We can die in confidence and security. Firstly then, be assured in life. Let's start in the middle of our passage, verse 15, when Jacob dies. The brothers say, verse 15, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us 
and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him. So they make up a story. They make up a last will and testament of their father. Verse 16. So they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. How does Joseph react to this? End of verse 17. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. There's deep hurt in Joseph. He feels this very deeply. And also, Joseph has forgiven his brothers. What he wants now is relationship with them more than anything else. So he weeps. Verse 18. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But look how Joseph reassures them. Verse 19. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Literally, he comforted them. Joseph offers great assurance in life. I love you, my brothers. I will look after you. And after all, God was sovereign over what you did to me. Verse 20. You did intend to harm me. You did a terrible thing. You sinned against me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. Here's an insight into the mystery of providence, the mystery of God's purposes. People do wrong things. People hurt one another. Satan lies behind this. But through it all, God works for the good of those who love him. Romans 8.28 The supreme example of this is the cross of Jesus. This was a murderous, evil act carried out by those who hated Christ. But when in the same time, God intended it for good. God accomplished the salvation of the world through the death of Jesus. And therefore, when we come to God on our knees, totally aware of our sin, like Joseph's brothers, as we cast ourselves on God's mercy, God stands us back up on our feet and he reassures us. He reassures us of the forgiveness of our sins and of his love and his care for us. So we are reassured in life. Secondly, be assured in death. 
In chapter 49, verse 29 and following, we see the death of Jacob. Jacob's great request in verse 29 is, Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite. Jacob doesn't want to be buried in Egypt. He wants to be buried in the promised land, in Canaan, the land of Israel. He wants to be buried in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite, which Abraham bought as a burial place. It was the only portion of land that Abraham and his descendants owned in the land of Canaan. There Abraham and Sarah are buried, there Isaac and Rebekah are buried, there Jacob buried his wife Leah. It's so important to Jacob to be buried there because of God's promise. God has promised that Israel will be his people in the land of Israel under his blessing. The nation is not to settle in Egypt for the long term. Their true home is in Canaan. Into chapter 50, Joseph grieves for his father. He threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then verse 2, Joseph directed the physicians to embalm his father Israel. Joseph asks the physicians to do this rather than the more usual priests, probably to show that he was not taking part in pagan rites. The Egyptians mourn for Jacob for 70 days. Then Joseph asks Pharaoh for permission to take his father's body back to the land of Canaan, promising to return to Egypt. Pharaoh gives permission for this. And we see basically a state funeral procession Verse 7. All Pharaoh's officials accompany Joseph, all the dignitaries of the court, all the members of Joseph's household, all his brothers, and all his father's household. Only the children and animals are left in Goshen. Verse 9. Chariots and horsemen also went with him. Only the very rich had access to chariots. It was a very large company. When they reached the threshing floor of Atad, verse 10, near the Jordan, they lamented loudly and bitterly. And there Joseph observed a seven-day period of mourning for his father. The Canaanites are struck that the Egyptians are holding a solemn ceremony of mourning. And so they call the place Abel Mizraim, which means mourning of the Egyptians. The point is, Jacob's sons carried Jacob's body to the land of Canaan and buried Jacob in the appointed grave. Jacob believes his long-term future is in the promised land. Joseph expresses the same faith when he dies. In chapter 50 verse 22, Joseph lives 110 years. He sees the third generation of his children's children. But then, verse 24, Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. 
God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. What is Joseph saying? Exactly what his father Jacob said. Joseph does not belong in Egypt. Even though he's lived there since he was 17, even though he became one of the greatest Egyptian prime ministers, Joseph is very clear. His long-term future is in the promised land. In death, he wants to be transferred to Canaan. What is this saying to us? We do not belong in this land. We do not belong in the here and now. We belong in God's eternal land. We belong in heaven. Hebrews 11 verse 22 says, By faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. This was an act of faith on Joseph's part. In the same way, we're to express faith in our final destination. Hebrews 11.16 tells us that as Abraham and his descendants looked to their future in the promised land, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So as Jacob and Joseph looked for a better country, what they were actually looking for was heaven. And that's true of us. We can be assured in our deaths that we are going to heaven. That we will not be forever here on earth. We will be with God in glory, in heaven, enjoying Christ for all eternity. C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. One of my predecessors in my previous church was a great man called Howell Griffiths. When Howell was dying, he was visited by one of the elders of the church, a man called David Jones. David Jones asked Howell how he was feeling. Howell replied, I've just spent the last two hours in heaven. That's the way to die. When David Jones came to die, he was in hospital. He was very weak and sleepy. 
Then on the evening of his death, he sat up in bed and preached the gospel to the ward where he lay. He preached with great power and authority. Then he lay down and died. That's how I want to die. I want to fill my life with Jesus and with thoughts of heaven. So as we face up to our own mortality, we can be assured in life and we can be assured in death. In life, we can be assured that what Satan intends for our harm, God will use for good. Romans 8.28 And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This was Joseph's experience. This is the experience of every Christian. The barracks where Corrie ten Broom and her sister Betsy were kept in the Nazi concentration camp Ravensbrück were terribly overcrowded and flea-ridden. They had been able, miraculously, to smuggle a Bible into the camp. And in that Bible they'd read that in all things they were to give thanks and that God can use anything for good. Betsy decided that meant thanking God for the fleas. This was too much for Corrie, who said she could not do such a thing. Betsy insisted. So Corrie gave in and prayed to God, thanking him even for the fleas. Over the next several months, a wonderful but curious thing happened. They found that the guards never entered their barracks. This meant that the women were not assaulted. It also meant they were able to do the unthinkable, which was to hold open Bible studies and prayer meetings in the heart of a Nazi concentration camp. Through this, countless numbers of women came to faith in Christ. Only at the end did they discover why the guards had left them alone and would not enter their barracks. It was because of the fleas. Genesis 50.20 You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God brought so much good out of Joseph's suffering. He even saved the lives of Joseph's family. He saved the lives of a vast multitude. He preserved the family line of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He preserved the nation of Israel. He preserved the line from which Jesus would come. We can be assured in life. We can be assured in death. Like Jacob and Joseph being carried back to the promised land, we can know that we're going to heaven when we die. This changes everything regarding how we live now. This life 
is not it. This life is not the goal. Heaven is the goal. Serving Christ is the goal. Let's spend a few minutes reflecting on what we've learned this evening. Satan intends to harm us, but God uses it for good. This life is not the end. We have a heaven to look forward to. The great evidence for this is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because Jesus is raised from the dead, we can know that we too will be resurrected with glorified resurrection bodies and perfect sinless characters. Let's spend a few minutes in silent prayer, thanking God for what he's taught us this evening. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be assured in life. Thank you that we can be assured of your good purposes. No matter what Satan does to harm us, you work for our good because we love you and have been called according to your purpose. And thank you, Father, that we can be assured in death. Thank you that just as Jacob and Joseph were carried to the promised land in death, we will go to heaven and be with Christ and enjoy him for all eternity. Father, please forgive us that sometimes we focus on living for this life and we forget about living for Jesus and living for heaven. Please forgive us for this and help us from now on to make Jesus our absolute priority, to make serving him the main focus of our lives. Father, please take us as a church and use us for your glory, we pray. Use us to reach many people for Christ in this area. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.